Hi, welcome to the Female Investors Project, the podcast that breaks down the complexities of investing and the market to help you feel more confident when investing. Join me breaking down jargon, investing concepts and market events and hopefully learn something along the way. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Female Investors Project. Today I am joined by a very special guest, Yolanda. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Fantastic. Yolanda is the founder of Yo and Co and Future Impact. I met her through one of the Future Impact programs and it is one of the catalysts that brought me to the Female Investors Project in the first place. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So uh, I, as you said, I, I run these two, um, well, I run the Yo and Co practice and Future Impact is a program within that practice. I've been running this business now for three years. And before that, I um, spent three years uh, running the diversity and inclusion consulting practice at a big global consulting firm called Mercer. Before that, I was the head of public affairs for the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, which is where I got into the world of professional feminism, as I used to as I used to tell people back then. Um, and before that, had spent um, about 20, 25 years or so working in senior communications roles in financial services. So my longest, the industry that I've spent, you know, really most of my career in has been financial services. Uh, and so now the work I do with Future Impact is very much about, it's not about financial services, it's about fulfilling human potential and, and supporting women to thrive in, in this industry that's particularly powerful, particularly influential and very male-dominated. Uh, but really my work more broadly with Yo & Co is about human potential and flourishing. That's amazing. I love to read your stuff and I'm all about maximising your potential as well, so that's awesome. Today I think I'd like to talk to you a bit about like careers in finance and why it's really important to get women into finance. But before we get into that, this is an investing podcast. So can you tell us a bit about your approach to investing and how you invest? Yeah, I, I love this question because it's not a conversation you really have, really. No one really asks you, tell me about your approach to investing. And I'm glad to say I, I do have some consciousness around it. So I first started investing when I was in my mid-20s. I was working for Macquarie Bank, uh, which was called Macquarie Bank at the time, now Macquarie Group, in their real estate capital team. And so I was 26, 27 and earning some decent money, you know, uh, because the, the real estate factory has its way of paying um, good bonuses. And so as a young woman, I suddenly would, you know, would get a, a decent bonus check um, each year and uh, and was surrounded by investment insights because I was working for, for a large investment organisation. And so I started investing in the share market directly. This is pre-GFC and also got a margin loan. So I, I leveraged my investment into, into the share market, which um, I'm sure you probably cover um, uh, lending and, and leveraging at some point in this podcast. But when you borrow to invest, you amplify your returns on the way up, but you also amplify your returns on the way down. So I got a real buzz out of that. I had my own um, share trading account and um, would get different insights and different, you know, into stocks that might might form and and owned CSL, which is probably my best performer. Um, which of course, if I held on to that, would would be even better now. Um, but I had my own little share portfolio. I bought an investment property um, in um, far north Queensland, uh, and then the GFC happened, and didn't 
move fast enough to exit the market and so lost a lost a stack of money didn't end up having to lose I mean lost capital in it as well but didn't think I'd have to go into any other debt to be able to finance my margin loans um because in those days you know margin calls were being made left right and center so for yeah. me that was a baptism by fire on uh, lending to invest in highly liquid markets that can turn on you very quickly mm-hmm. uh and also that um you know I didn't really I didn't really know what I was doing and it was fun to watch you know watch stocks go up and down but have since made different choices to focus on topping up my super at a maximum, um, paying down my mortgage. Um, so I also own a, a residential property that I had lived in for, for most of the past 10 years that I've owned it. Now it now is invest, invested and rented out. Um, but I, I probably the other thing I'd add to that is a choice I made. So I'm 44 now. Uh, I made a, I started working with a financial advisor this year as well. So getting my... Because wealth management is not just about investing, it's also about protecting your assets. So I've got all of my insurance, soups, you know, my death income protection, my life insurance, my total t- permanent disability. So getting all of the full spectrum of, you know, adulthood of, of, <laughs> of rolling your financial destiny is, is something that I've been very conscious about and very much recommend anybody on this podcast. It's never too early to start putting those things in place uh, so you can look after your own financial independence. That's awesome. Fantastic. And what about, is there one habit that you have that is essential for your success? Yeah. Um, and this is not so much an investing habit, but the I have a, a routine around self-awareness and this is a big part of what I train. So probably the most important habit for my success on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, on a financial level, professional level, on a relationship level is a habit of checking in where I am. Am I above the line or below the line? And what that means is when I'm below the line, I'm feeling triggered, I'm feeling threatened, and I'm, I'm going to be re- reacting out of that threatened state. So I'm likely to be blaming, I'm likely to be righteous, I'm likely to be quite narrow in my thinking uh, and wasting time and energy, particularly energy, wasting energy in, in frustration and and and, um, and annoyance or, or upset and, and distress, whatever that uh, triggered emotion might be. Uh, and that 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 habit of checking where I am then invites me to see what do I need to do to shift to get above the line. And when I'm above the line, I'm at a high state of trust. I'm feeling inspired and invigorated by what I do and with the people around me. I'm in a much better place to connect with the people around me. And so that habit of self-awareness is something that, you know, I probably wish I had, if I had learned that habit habit even sooner, um, it would have made way for an even more successful and fulfilling career. Well, it sounds like you've already had a really successful one. So (laughs) that's a testament to how you're doing so far, which is great. Um, Awesome. So the next thing that I'd like to talk about is a little bit more about future impact. Not a lot of people may have heard of it. I heard about it at uni and it was really essential for my growth in my career. So could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this is a project that I started three and a half years ago. Uh, and it was off the back of research that I'd conducted um, a couple of years before that. That research was looking at where are all the women in investment management, why are there so few women in investment management, particularly in the most senior roles, and what do we need to do to fix that? And so that research revealed a number of different barriers that are all fairly predictable, but one of the biggest challenges this industry faced uh, was this very low level of awareness at university campuses about career pathways into this profession. 
And there are a number of factors as to why there's low levels of awareness, but probably the biggest is, is that the industry is made up of a large number of very small investment teams and a handful or so of large investment teams. Most of the time, those teams recruit junior roles with two to three years experience minimum. Sometimes it's five, six, seven plus years experience. And so that that means that the, the pathway, and it's a small profession as well, so it means that the pathways in are very unclear and end up being a bit accidental. So unless you know about investing and you go and seek it out as a profession, um, you're, you're unlikely to make your pathway in. And that's why still to this day we have, you know, 80% of applicants for junior analyst roles are, are men. And there, and the, the, because that men are more likely to be get, getting the messages about investing and why your podcast is so important, uh, they, it's another reason why it tends to be more of a male habit, um, applies more to the male ego and, and the male, um, traditional male interest. Um, so the future impact is all about building a passion for investing in young women and really building this talent pipeline. So big super funds and fund managers pay us to, and not just in money, they also allocate a whole lot of time. Um, to pay us to build this talent pool and run mentoring circles and a virtual experience program and competitions and and um, all sorts of different uh, events to inspire women um, to pursue this career path. But even more than that, a big part of what we do is we are actively trying to enable those pathways in. So we are trying to connect talent to opportunities. We advocate for talent. Um, and while we're not a recruiter, we see ourselves more as a talent incubator. Um, it's almost like a talent in- incubator and talent advocate is, is a better way to describe what we do rather than recruitment. And it's, in, it's a three years in where we've now placed 22 um, young people in, in uh, internal grad roles and are looking to do more and more of that over the next three years. Fantastic. That's really exciting. So you said that most of your experience is in financial services. Can you tell us a bit about more what is investment management in your own words? Investment management is the process of allocating capital, which is effectively just money, um, allocating capital into different asset classes and doing that, investing those into those asset classes with the expectation of there being a financial return that comes off the back of that investment. And that financial return, most of the time, most of the money, particularly in Australia, is our superannuation money. So the superannuation industry is now $4 trillion in size. That is our hard-earned money that is being um, uh, invested for our retirement um, income and our retirement dignity and our retirement security. And it gets invested in in all sorts of ways and sorts of projects, whether it be from investing in the share market to investing in infrastructure like roads and airports and hospitals to investing in you know, private equity, medical breakthroughs, um, uh, bond markets, you know, all sorts of different asset classes that are ultimately essential for the world's economic security. Amazing. That's a lot. It's a lot of things. (laughs) And so um, can you just go back and tell us a bit more about the barriers other than the ones about like, you know, not knowing about investment management, not having that talent pool flow through, what other barriers did you actually identify? Yeah, for women, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the big barriers, if we start even just at the the beginning, you know, you can look at it across the life cycle and the the barrier at the beginning is this low level of awareness but also some perception challenges, you know. There's a, you know, Hollywood casts a long shadow and 
movies like Wolf of Wall Street or TV shows like Billions paint this picture of somewhat maniacal men that are controlling the you know <laughs> system. And look, there's a part of that that's true. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to your your listeners. There is absolutely plenty of um. There are there are portions of cowboy behaviour um, in um, financial services broadly and in, in investment management specifically, but certainly in the Australian market, what you find if you go into an investment team in a super fund and a fund manager, more often than not, you actually just find a deeply introspective, incredibly smart um, men and women um, uh, who are fascinated by markets. And the, and what makes um, what's the how does the value of things go up and down mm-hmm. and what are the opportunities particularly in the superannuation space for for these investment teams to to invest in assets that generate returns for the members that create this retirement dignity and so this perception issue was a really was part of the challenge as well that women at at university were much less likely than men to feel like they were going to fit into this this industry if they knew anything about it at all. Yep. So that's part of what Future Impact does is dispel that myth. But then there are some other barriers that start coming along as you even then start applying for roles. So once we, you know, we solve the awareness and perception and we get plenty of women that are excited about this career path, passion and commitment or passion and confidence message um, that men seem to do better at explaining or demonstrating than women. So I'll often hear stories of, you know, we went you know, we really looked to hire a woman because we really want to bring more women into the team. And then we had it down to a man and a, and a woman and the guy was just so passionate, you know. As someone said to me the other day, you know, he so desperately wanted to work in private equity. I could have said, you know, jump in front of a car and he would have said which colour. Of course, she's just joking as she was explaining this to me. But men do have this kind of more single-minded passion when it comes to um, particularly this career path. Uh, at which women seem to be less um, vocal and expressing. So, that's a, and that's a bias to a certain extent, right? That doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you're going to be better investors. Yeah. But it makes when you're recruiting, you know, you're looking to reduce your risk in that choice. It's a highly risky choice when you're looking to play somebody. So, somebody that can talk about this being the only job I've ever wanted to do. I, you know, I, I'm so passionate about this career and this industry. It's just an easier, it's a slam dunk mm-hmm. kind of recruitment. Yeah. Yeah. Less likely to be that. Or, or tends to be less visible like that or less vocal like that. So there's a bias there. And then when it comes to actually keeping women in the industry, our research showed that women are 50% more likely to leave at the at the kind of mid-level point and men were 30% more likely to be promoted. Um, and so we then have a system that's, that's that seems to be rewarding men over women um, in ways that aren't based on merit but are based on no likely, um, you know, it'll be a whole range of factors. You know, men are better at, um, it's easier for men to network in male-dominated areas. You know, this thing called affinity bias where if you, if someone looks like you, you are more likely to be more favourable towards them and that's going to have a, a male and masculine kind of energy to it. So there are various factors that will make it harder for women to get promoted and, and harder to keep them. Thankfully, You'd be hard pressed to find an industry that's as committed as this one to reversing those trends. And the shift that I've seen in the past five years from what does this matter again and what are we doing here to oh, this really matters and I have a clear intent to now be show me what I need to do, how can I make a difference, um, is more visible than ever. It's a long way to go, but it's never been a better time for women to pursue this career path. 
Amazing. And so do you think that that attitude is driven by the just the diversity aspect or is there a return on investment in terms of actually getting more women into the workplace? It's such a great question. Look, the truth is, is that if you go and dig into any of the studies that show, you know, more women on boards leads to X percent increase in returns or more women in a team leads to X percent increase in performance, the fact is it's pretty hard to put those studies out um, and be genuinely causal to say that, you know, add a drop of woman in will give you a drop of return out. Yeah, of course. Performance is just so, it's so complex, right? It's very hard to isolate. Um, so... And you'll never find a bigger bunch of sceptics than the investment management community because that's what their job is, just to be. Yeah. <laughs> so what I hear our leaders say um, and the ones that you can really feel the desire to, to want to shift it is they'll say, you know, we've got an all-male team and you can just feel the the blokiness to it, right? There's a there's a blokiness to it. And it doesn't have to be, that doesn't mean it's sexist. It doesn't no, no, no. toxic, and I think that's a really, it's hyper-masculine, but it doesn't mean that it's to- toxic masculinity, right? And so these leaders are like, I just know I just it'll feel better if we have some more women in the team, you know? So it's a cultural thing as much as anything. Plus they know that the perspective that other women will bring just because they're a woman, because, of course, women think differently and we have different perspectives. We come from different um, experiences and that that perspective is so important for having a more rounded view on a problem. And the the art of investment management is trying to, as somebody once told me, is trying to complete a puzzle with 20% of the pieces missing. So perspective taking is absolutely fundamental. And so they know that bringing in those different perspectives is really important if only there were more women that were were we're really, you know, gunning for this type of role, which we're still, we've still got a way to go. Amazing. That's super insightful. Thank you for sharing. So if one of my listeners were to say, all right, this sounds like an awesome space, what kind of attributes would they want to be working on? What kind of networking should they be doing? And yeah. yeah. So the first thing is obviously to subscribe to Future Impact. Um, <laughs> of course things um and so what we do in that process is we help you understand the ins and outs of investment management um a so you can determine that this isn't this is a career path that's that you'd be interested in because that passion and commitment is obviously fundamental um and once you've got that interest it's then going about and doing the doing the studies in um uh whether that be applied finance your cfa um you know any number of different more technical finance um qualifications that you might want to get but certainly in the interim before that, you know, we've got a virtual experience program where you can learn um, uh, and see what it, see what, what good modelling of an investment opportunity looks like. We do investment competitions. We do, you know, different things to get you exposure. So getting exposure to the industry and the different players and the different, you know, core skills is, is, is fundamental and we help you do that. And then ideally the next step is getting some intern internships while you're at university. And again, we help we help students do that too. Um, particularly through our investment competition where all of the winning um, the winning team or, or four members get uh, an intern placement. And then once you're part of our top talent group and everybody who's a finalist in our comp joins our top talent group or is invited to join, then um, every time one of our partners is looking to recruit an intern, recruit a grad, um, they're they're the people that we go to. 
So getting started has never been easier. Um, uh, but it's it, it's a, it's not the, it's not a walk in the park profession, right? It's it's it's, it's for the you know, you need to be getting top marks. You need to, you need to be numerate. You've got to be comfortable with numbers, um, but it's incredibly rewarding given the impact investment management has on some of the biggest issues in the world today. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. That's a lot about finance careers. Is there anything that you wish you'd learn earlier in your career? For anyone who's maybe a little more advanced in their career, thinking, "Oh, it's too late for me to get a grad position." What kind of things do you wish you'd learnt earlier and then getting into your career in general? Yeah, look, I think um, if I look at where I wasted energy that in retrospect was was wasted, um, you know, I, I was looking to make a career shift out of financial services communication into more public policy, policy advocacy work when I was in my early 30s and I felt so, and this is just when the um, GFC hit as well, I felt so depleted by not being able to make that move and felt really, uh, you know, moments of anxiety and upset that um, that I was getting frustrated to not make the shift that I wanted to make, only to find that while it took me quite a while to make that move, when I got the job at the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, that was this kind of perfect combination of applying my communication skills on an issue that of national significance. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work on stuff that really mattered, right? I wanted to feel like I was having an impact in the world. And um and I'm sure a lot of young people feel like that. And and when you're in your early career, it feels like you're, you know, probably pushing paper around or managing process. Or if you're in, you know, a grad role, you might be doing, you know, a whole lot of an analyst analysis that might feel, you know, waste of time and where am I going and why does this matter? Uh, and I think that that's important. That hunger for wanting to make an impact is important, uh, but confidence that uh, it it will come and a bit of patience is probably where I would I would counsel my younger self to just relax a little bit. It'll it'll come um, and have confidence that putting following the process of you know seeking out opportunities and you know I did my masters in public policy um, to, to support that process, which absolutely was part of my ambition and my frustration. But it was a fantastic opportunity. I loved doing postgraduate study. Um, uh, so keep keep pushing forward, but uh, sometimes take a have a bit of patience that it will good things will come to people who work hard and and um, and keep putting themselves forward for the right opportunities. Yeah, amazing. I think that that's really relevant to investing as well, especially when you're getting started. You're hungry to get those returns. It's especially hard when you're seeing people making millions on weird trades in cryptocurrencies and you're like, well, I'm sitting here with my nice safe portfolio. Why isn't it going any better? But yeah, patience is what it's going to take to actually get you to results that are like proven and safe results. So I love that. Is there any final remarks you'd like to make? You said that we can find you on Future Impact. Is there anywhere else people can read more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So the other place people can read about me will be through the Yo and Co website. So yoandco.com.au. I, I have a blog that I try to get out every other week. Some weeks are more, some months are more prolific than others. But uh, <laughs> if you subscribe to that, you can get in your inbox my um, insights, which are often curated by other um, worldly thinkers. Uh, around self improvement, personal growth, high functioning teams. 
And all of that work is about doing, is about ego management. So being able to see how our ego and identity and our kind of construct of self gets in the way. And so how we kind of trip ourselves up and are the little hacks that we can do to, uh, to, to do that less and, and to really bring our best self to work and life and love um, and the world and bring out the best in others. Amazing. Well, I have certainly subscribed for it and I'm looking forward to reading more and definitely know that they're insightful because this podcast has been incredibly insightful for me and most likely for all our listeners. So thank you so much for joining today. Hope you have an amazing day. And looking forward to um, seeing where you take it, Genevieve. I think this is such a such an important initiative and future impact. We're really looking forward to supporting it. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Everything you heard today was general in nature and a reflection of my personal experience and opinions only. None of it is financial advice. I'm not a licensed financial advisor. So please contact one if you need to before making any big financial decisions. I'm all about making smart, well thought out decisions with your money. So do your own research before considering any stocks or products I may mention on the podcast. Oh, and don't forget any legal and tax implications that may arise from your investing adventures. I hope you had fun. See you next time.